Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Wednesday, September the 8th, 2021. My name is Stephen Carnegie, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day, impregnable, which means incapable of being taken by assault. Unconquerable. Impregnable. Hope everyone is enjoying their uh, Wednesday, or will enjoy their Wednesday. Hope everyone enjoyed their Labor Day. Uh, That was most definitely uh, some much needed time off. Uh, Finally got a Labor Day off after laboring all year for years and years. Finally got me one off. Man, and it was so relaxing. I didn't do anything. I I just relaxed all day. I figured, hey, I've labored all year why not just take me a day just to relax and I did I did I really did um weather well I gotta be honest the sun isn't shining here in North Carolina or this part of North Carolina I should say or any part of North Carolina we uh we have gotten or are going to get rain and thunderstorms that are coming through temperatures cool cool down a whole lot in the 80s but then again, they said later on this week, of course, temperatures are going to rise back up into the 90. Getting close to that fall time of year. But uh, dare I say, me being from the South, I know there's some more hot days out there. They're coming. Hell, it's even gotten to 100 degrees sometimes in uh, October. So don't count the hot weather out just yet. <laughs> time will tell. Time will tell. Um, you know, one thing I, I just wanted to talk a little bit uh, briefly, um, what I've been doing in my spare time is uh, I've been looking at uh, documentaries. It was two, actually. One was on uh, Easy e We all know Easy e from the, the group NWA, one of the founding members. And the other one was on uh, Rick James. <laughs> now, that one was, uh, wow, it, it, it was just eye opening. And if you know Rick James, you know Rick James. But the Easy E was uh, Easy E one was documentary was mostly dealing with his death. It was his daughter, and um, I don't know if she was his wife at one point in time, maybe his girlfriend, but one of his kids. And she was she wanted closure into his death. It was so mysterious. You know, a lot of people said it was just mysterious how it happened. You know, he he was doing fine. He had been out on the road even, and a few months later, he died. Just died unexpectedly. Of course, we know that was from uh, AIDS. Now, his daughter, they they ran through all the conspiracy theories from the Suge Knight and, you know, injecting him with uh, uh, that uh, mysterious needle that infected him with AIDS. And even uh, went as far as to Jerry Heller, the, the producer who uh, has sent sent Easy e to a, a chiropractor and they were theorizing that he could have been tainted with AIDS from the acupuncture needles. But that, of course, that was uh, dismissed. And um, it was just, uh, I have to say it was sad. It really was that he left this world like that. Because what happened is while he was on his deathbed, uh, he got married. He got married to uh, a young lady and they were saying she just appeared out of the blue, but really she wasn't. She she was a, a longtime girlfriend or whatever. He ended up getting married to her, 
and they went back. Uh, of course, she didn't. She didn't. She wasn't in the documentary. Well, the, the the mother and daughter went back, and and you know they talked to people that were there in the room. Uh, I believe one of them was uh, they talked to a pastor, of course, and they talked to both pastors. They talked to the preacher that performed the ceremony, and the, and, and the second pastor was um, man. He, he was there. They had called him because they were in fear that the uh, other pastor wasn't going to show up in time. So he came in and he ended up, um, he wasn't officially, he didn't officiate the wedding. The other pastor did show up, but what he did, he signed a, a part of the will as, as a witness. He signed a part of the will as a witness. So they wanted to talk to him and see, you know, what was going on with Easy E at that time. How did he look? Now, this second pastor came out and said, well, he looked fine to me. I didn't see any signs of sickness or whatever or what have you. And, but the one that actually performed the, the ceremony, he said, yeah, I could tell he was, he, he was on his way out of here. He, he, he just didn't look right. He was trying to keep us, uh, I guess he would say stuff, stiff upper lip, but he could tell that he was indeed sick and worried about his condition. And he wanted to take care of uh, his new wife. Now, what's strange about that is because when he signed this new will, apparently he had two wills. One will was in case he married this lady and the other one was in case he uh, didn't. So he went with the one, of course, where he married. But in this will, it pretty much left. It gave everything to her and it left the rest of the kids with little or nothing. I believe they said all they got was seventy five thousand and all the music and royalties and everything went to her. So they, they were trying to find answers. And, and like I said, uh, the one pastor said that he couldn't tell anything was wrong with him. But the other, the one that actually performed the ceremony said, yeah, there was, he could most definitely tell he was sick. He was on his way out of here. Now, getting back to that will, like I said, it left pretty much the rest of his kids with little or nothing. But not only was uh, both pastors there in the room, Easy E's mother was there, I believe, uh, they said his sister or, or, or something. There was a room full of people, but this, the, the daughter and, and the other uh, uh, baby's mama, I, I, I hate to say it like that. They said they can't get it. That no one's willing to come out and talk to him and let him know what, what was his state. And like I said, they, they went through all these theories with, with his death, but what it came down to, because what happened was they finally did an interview or talk to, um, one of the doctors. He wasn't Easy E's main doctor because Easy E's main doctor passed away years ago. So it was a doctor that Easy E's main doctor had consulted with, and he was uh, like a, a an AIDS expert for uh, that part of California. And just like we now know, as you know, with 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 AIDS or HIV. This doctor pretty much said by the time Easy E had gotten to the hospital, it was just too late. He probably had been infected with it eight or ten years before, and just never paid a time, uh, paid a sign, paid any attention to the signs or or the symptoms that he was having. Because hey, he thought he had bronchitis. He had he had been diagnosed with bronchitis, misdiagnosis. So you know he he wasn't really paying attention. And eight or ten years later, by the time he made it to the doctor, it was just too late. We now know that that has happened or has happened to a lot of people during that time in the late 80s uh, or the mid to late 80s going into the 90s where people that had HIV and AIDS would ignore their symptoms. 
Because also at that time, what we now know is with HIV and and then, you know, full-blown AIDS, what it's doing, if it's it's slowly, slowly destroying your immune system. So a lot of people were talking about he had a a cough or, or, or whatever. And like I said, he thought it was bronchitis. He had been diagnosed with bronchitis. He probably had that. They're saying they probably had, he probably had that cough for a while, which he did. A lot of people said he did have a cough. And he they also produced a, a, a last interview he did with a, a young lady. And man, he was coughing through that. He just was. So that thing, what we now know, like I said, with HIV and AIDS, it does eventually, slowly but surely, it tears down your immune system. And that's just what happened. By the time he got to the hospital, it was too late. But for the daughter, of course, they, they were in disbelief. They said they, they can't trust him because he was one of, you know, the, the one that consulted with the doctor that they really can't trust because of the way easy passed so fast. But the doctor did raise a valid point. Like he said, hey, over time, we now know that that's just what HIV and AIDS does. It slowly breaks down your immune system. And then they were saying, well, how could he, he didn't transmit it to uh, anyone else, any other, uh, the other baby mamas. Well, the doctor said he's treated two women that were with Easy and they're still alive because they got on the medicine, they got on the regimen, they they were they discovered they had it in time and they were able to um I don't know if you would call it slow it down because now they're saying yeah, you can live with uh HIV because you have to just stay on the medicine, take the medicine, builds up your immune system. Just a sad story all the way around. And I really think they want closure. The part they want closure with is, of course, his death and why he signed that will. With he, I think they said he was he was worth upwards of man, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I can't remember right off the top of my head, you know, with royalties and and having uh, stocks and and whatever or what have you. But yet, still, he signed the will and it only left seventy five thousand to his other kids. and that's the part they want closure with they're trying to understand why he signed that will and who was this woman because the pastor that performed the the ceremony another thing was he was picked out of a telephone book pretty much it just was and and, and that's another uh, just 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 sad and and if you get a chance to to check it out check it out I can't remember the exact name of it but it is a it was a, a series i believe it was on bh1 if i'm not mistaken it's a series it's about four or five maybe six episodes and it like i said it ran through uh the whole thing i finished watching it last week i think that was the final episode and man it did it did hey it, it did well i, I kind of figured that was it that he just got there too late. and it, it, By the time he got to the hospital, it had just destroyed his immune system. It had eaten him up. It just had. Sad, sad, sad. All right, let's move on to uh, Rick James. Man, <laughs> Rick James. I saw that documentary too. Like I said, I, my Labor Day, I, I, I relaxed. I, I saw that documentary and man, Rick James, he had a very eventful life. And, and, and it was... I, I can't even describe it because I found some things out that I didn't even know. Case in point, who knew that he was a draft dodger? <laughs> he was a draft dodger, but he was it was just it was hilarious and unique how he was this draft dodger. 
because what it was, he, you know, growing up in Buffalo at that time, there wasn't anything there. He was hanging out, doing whatever, what have you. He ended up, um, of course, signing up for the Navy. All right, fellowship mate. Signed up for the Navy and he went into the resort reserves because at that time they were saying, hey, if you go into the reserves, you won't go into active duty. You won't be in the uh, Vietnam War. I believe it was the Vietnam or I can't remember which war it was. It was Vietnam or Korean War. So he uh, <laughs> he he went along and, and, and he signed up and he started going to the meetings. But he said what they didn't tell him was you had to go to every meeting because if you missed a certain amount of meetings, they would send you to active duty. So they sent them to active duty. And of course, when he got on active duty, he realized that he was not military material. So he went AWOL and he fled to Canada. Now, here's where it, it gets unique to me because I never saw that or heard of this. He was in Canada performing with uh, these rock and roll bands or folk bands to the lights of, uh, I believe it was Neil Young, James Taylor, Bob Dylan, and, and, and some more. And, and when they played, uh, he ended up, you know, they recorded some some songs or tracks or whatever. And when they played it, I was like, wow, you can hear Rick James, but you can't hear him, but you hear him anyway, his voice. So yeah, he, he started his musical career, musical career up there in Canada. And for however many years, maybe a decade or so, you know, he kept getting in these groups, kept getting kicked out. And, and finally they ended up in Motown. They recorded a track with Motown and somehow or another, their manager got pissed and ended up telling that he was a draft dodger. So he was sent back to the, to the, the Naval brig. But after all of that, that it was just astonishing because it took him upwards of 10 to 15 years before he really got on and got came in with the, the P-Funk. And I said to myself, wow, that is just amazing. He was a draft dodger singing recording with the likes of those artists, you know, the, like I said, the Neil Young, the 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 the, the Bob Dylan and, and the and the rest. But and I said, well, how the hell did he get into the P-Funk? He wanted to merge rock and folk. And of course, the way it goes on and on, you have to see that documentary. But that was just one thing that just totally blew my mind, him being a draft dodger and up there in Canada performing with those those uh, other rock and roll artists. Man, that, that was just amazing. And if you know anything about Rick James and his, mu- Rick James and his music, wow, just wow. And years later, of course, and I often wondered why he fell off so quick. And there was a little rift between not just him and Prince, but there was a rift between him and MTV because he went to bat and he told MTV, hey, you're not playing any black artist music. Are you playing as rock and roll? So he put them on blast and they ended up, they said, well, we'll start. Well, they chose Michael Jackson and Prince and left him out to drive. So some years later, he got into it with those on Motown because he did end up going back to Motown after he got out of the Naval Brig. And that story, <laughs> that story, by then he was he was really out there with the cocaine use. And, and what he did to one of those executives, yeah, that sealed his fate. It just did. Uh, him hopping, out, hopping up on that desk and uh, pulling it out, <laughs> 
and waving it in the guy's face, telling him to sell his record because he was upset because while he was on tour with his first album, I think they said he made 20 million or something like that. But when we went out for his second or third album, he only made 14 million on tour and he felt as though they weren't promoting it enough. Yeah, because he pissed MTV off. So he hops up on the desk, whips it out, yells and screams at the guy and tell him, hey, sell my damn records. <laughs> uh, but this, this story is told by a, Barry Gordy's son, by the way. And he he was like, man, I was just sitting there like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have been too. But yeah, he he Rick James had a, a a career and a life that is unmatched. He was a talent. He was a talent. Screw the drug use and, and his crazy lifestyle, but he was a, a true talent. He really was. I, I enjoyed both of those documentaries. I really did. I, I thought it was just great. I enjoyed myself. Learned a whole lot. I really did. All right. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. It looks like the United States is uh, going to allow uh, upwards of 90,000, if not more, Afghan refugees to be relocated to the United States. Now, how does that affect you and I locally? Well, Raleigh and Durham's mayors have stepped up with open arms. They're welcome to me. Now, Durham has previously done this with the uh, Syrian refugee crisis. If you guys remember years ago where ISIS, they said they were over there. They were just picking shots at, at people and, and a lot of the Syrians fled. So Durham does have uh, Syrian refugees here. I don't think a lot of people know because it, it came in and then it came out. But my question is, and I'm certainly not being uh, 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 heartless here, but I just have a, a, a few questions. And, and one of the questions that I have is with everything that is going on in Durham, it's not talking about Raleigh, just here locally for me because I reside in Durham. With everything that's going on here in Durham, how can we open arms, welcome refugees? I understand compassion. I do. And, and, and you having compassion for those that are, are, are worse off than yourself. I understand that wholeheartedly. I, I, there's no way I'm going to deny that. But Durham has a, a homeless issue, has a huge homeless issue that isn't really that hasn't really been dealt with. It has affordable housing issues that hasn't truthfully been dealt with. It has a huge, huge gang problem that hasn't been dealt with either. And then you add COVID in there. Now, my, my thing is with, 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 with these uh, Afghan refugees, are they going to be tested for COVID? Are you going to vaccinate them too? Now, we already have a border issue at the, you know, at the U United States and Mexican border that's pretty much has been hush-hush. And, and I, I, I asked the same question with them. I mean, you're allowing people over into this country. Are you vaccinating them? Are you testing them? How are you keeping them quarantined? I mean, really? How are you keeping them quarantined if they do, in fact, have COVID? How are you keeping them? And, and that's the questions I have here. And and also, we have a new strand of COVID, uh, the Mu variant. And it's already been detected in the United States. We have a lot, a lot of issues in, internally in-house that I think we need to deal with before we venture out and try to welcome other people. I'm not being heartless. I'm just being a realist here. Doesn't make much sense to me. It just doesn't. I gotta say, 
to invite, I mean, to, to allow other people to come in from another country. Uh, and also if, if Afghanistan in particular, you know, when all that stuff was going on, I'm not sure. I, I haven't really heard how they, they weren't testing people. They, they, they weren't vaccinating people for COVID really haven't heard what they did or, or what steps they took for any, at any point in time during this COVID crisis, because they were all, I mean, they, they, they just have it. So my question is to Durham, the Durham mayor, um, how can you invite refugees here? You have your own citizens that have been here their own lives, their, their whole lives, excuse me, their whole lives. You have a, a, a homeless issue that is huge that isn't really talked about. Yeah, there's a huge homeless issue here in Durham. There really is. And then you got that affordable housing and the gang problem. How uh, maybe they have some space and, and funds reserved for things like this. Oftentimes they do, but I, I, I just don't, I just can't say outright that I agree with that because I don't. Because like I said, we have a whole lot of issues internally in-house that we need to clean up or deal with or begin the process of dealing with, like as many politicians like to say. It's a great start. Okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't even started. Totally ignored it. That's why it's out of hand. And then you're going to, you know, send Afghans here. I, I just don't understand it. Can't comprehend it. It blows my mind. Uh, that's, that's, that's just my thought on that. That is, I just wanted to, to, to give my little spiel about that because that's totally, totally, totally out there that you would do that now, especially COVID and this new variant, the Hugh variant, which they're saying has already been detected in the United States and, and they're, uh, they're looking at it. They know it is a different variant and they know that it does have, I believe they say that it has a high infection rate. Also, it's like that Delta variant, man. When are we going to be done with COVID? <laughs> That's the million dollar question. When? Just when? Wow. All right. Let's move along. Also, uh, here's a, another story. Um, an American national. Well, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. A Mexican national from Georgia has received a 12 year federal prison sentence two weeks ago for child pornography. And will be deported at the end of his sentence. He was convicted in March of this year for a uh, 2017 arrest made here in Harnett County. Now, after a traffic a traffic stop for erratic driving, driving he was driving all over the road. Uh, now, during the traffic stop, deputies discovered a hidden compartment in his vehicle, which contained one hundred thousand dollars in cash. Now, while being drunk, oh, sorry, while being booked for driving without a license <laughs> the deputies here's where it gets really crazy the deputies during the search of his persons discovered a hundred dollar bill that was folded up so while they're unfolding the the bill memory cards fell out on the floor to which mr mexican national grabbed one or grabbed a couple of the memory cards trying to digest them he swallowed one and chewed another but the deputies were able to retrieve it and the others, they, he didn't destroy all of them. And they discovered they contained multiple images and videos of child pornography. So, <laughs> this fool, 
This fool tries to chew up the memory cards and it doesn't work. It doesn't go to well. Well, they said he digests one. He swallowed one. Then he was working on the second one and that one, he didn't, he wasn't so successful with that. So I think altogether they got three or four of the memory cards and they were able to uh, pull up the images in the videos and saw it was child porn. You know, he was, uh, like I said, he was arrested in 2017 here in Harnett County. That's that I-95 corridor. That's that child sex trafficking corridor, drug corridor, 95 and 85. You know anything about North Carolina or any of these counties, any of these states on the eastern seaboard where 95 and 85 runs through? We are just that. We are a drug trafficking hub. And now we know we are a child trafficking sex trade hub also wow so they got this guy on the traffic stop for driving erratically and they found that he had those memory cards in addition to that uh, $100,000 he had stashed in his secret compartment of the car just wow the things the lengths people go through and the mindset also it's just uh, amazing to me. It's astonishing. I mean, this guy, it, 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 all intents and purposes, okay, he's a perv. He's a pervo. But you guys only gave him 12 years. And then you're going to deport him. Well, if he wasn't a citizen, yeah, I mean, I guess you're going to give him the 12 years and deport him. But um, I oftentimes say the laws in this country are too lax on certain crimes and not laxed enough on others if that makes sense it seems like the crimes that you should be hard on or or the sentencing you should be hard on you're not but the ones that you are you really shouldn't be because there's no way in the world this guy you should lock him up and he should stay locked up for that child pornography had images and videos I mean, maybe he was going around selling them. They still don't say what what else he was doing to have that hundred thousand in cash in his vehicle. Maybe he was running drugs. That, hey, eighty five and ninety five. It is that quarter. It just is. I just, I for one, think there needs to be a, a, a toughening with with these people and this child pornography thing. Twelve years, that ain't squat. It just ain't. You're a perv. You're a sick, twisted, twisted, demented perv. You just are. Anyone, I'm sorry, for anyone and any reason that you screw with a child, and I'm not being uh, explicit. When I say screw, I mean that you mess with a child or you screw that child's life up because you're doing something uh, sickening like this. I honestly don't think you need to see the light of day. Don't want to deal with it. Don't want you around me. Lock them up. Let me say, well, he they have mental issues. Ah, pooey. No, no, no. There ain't no mental issue. It's just you being sick. That's your mental issue. You're a perv. You're a pervo. Let's call it like we see it. Hell, I'm sure he's been called worse. But like I said, the, not, this, this, the government really doesn't, um, or law enforcement or, 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 or the judges or whatever, the, the the crime of the child pornography is real lax. 12 years. And that's around, around about how many years uh, a lot of people with this child pornography crap serve. 
10, 15 years. Then they get out. They have to label it or uh, uh, register as a sex offender or whatever you be labeled as that. Well, whoop de doo. Yeah. And, and here recently, North Carolina strengthened somewhat, I guess they're saying, of their laws because they signed a new law that strictly enforces that those that are registered sex offenders within the last week actually can't be out however many feet from a school or whatever where kids hang out. Uh, yeah, that's all fine and dandy. I could care less because I say once they've gotten into that system, like I always say, once they're in the system, yeah, they're in the system, but it's pretty lax. 12 years, you're riding around with all these images and videos trying to eat them and destroy them. I guess because he's a Mexican national, they wanted to get rid of him. I guess. Uh, okay. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I, I just don't think you need to see the light of day. I think you need to stay in there. Don't want to deal with you. Don't want to look at you. Don't want to even want to be around you in your same in the same breathing space as you. Lock them up. Do what you got to do. Lock them up. That's what I say. Well, that's all for me today. And I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Outcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Verbal, and WordPress. And as always, this is Stephen Carnegie. Thank you for listening to This Is Just a Thought. Amen.